1: Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio One.
0: Now today's guest is one of Ireland's top comedians. It's a pleasure to welcome Catherine Lynch. And Catherine, first of all, tell us about growing up in Mull in County Leitrim. What was that like?
1: Well, I was raised by the village, as they say, <laughs> and um, I was yeah. I am, I, I, you a great GA man. I was raised in a fantastic village with a great heart, with a great GA club. Um, my mother and father were big uh, GA fans, and um, my mother's—I'd say her water was broken—the side of the pitch, and she was reluctant to leave. You know, so it was that that intense. Um, there was, so there was a
0: Kerry influence there, wasn't there?
1: There was a Kerry influence too. So this man from Kerry, who who played for West Kerry, came down to Leitrim, I'm sure he was like a the, a football hero himself. You know, he was actually called War Tank himself on the pitch. <laughs> So he was a good stocky carry man with a great philosophy and, and, and poetic philo- philosophy on um, football as they all have down there Uh and uh, so yeah when he arrived in Leitrim Mohal um, people were delighted so Tom Lynch and uh, Jerry Bohun Tom and Jerry we used to call them took over the under 12s and the under 12s uh, they might have taken over the, they might as well have taken over the World Cup because uh, they put that much heart and soul into it um, and then the that team went on to win intermediates and county uh, you know some of the lads were on the county team and we won county finals and you know so we watched the Progression of the lads the whole way up mm. so it was nice and he moved on to the 14s under 16 so yeah that's we grew up with parochial heroes as we all do and fantastic people in a small town and as you know everyone in a small town dies famous
0: so <laughs> but, but but Catherine that like that was the boys was there nothing for the for the girls the boys had the, had the sport obviously
1: oh wow well, the girls had sport too because the infamous Maureen Lynch my mother who loves you. Uh, decided she was going to train the first female football team in uh, Leitrim and Mowell. And uh, so she got us together. And I remember um, I played for the under-12s myself. I, I played with the boys as under twelve, But then we moved on to having a, f- a female football team. And it was short-lived, but it was the first uh, dip in, in the in those waters of uh, female football so we had that and the girls i suppose well we did the same things as boys it was a very um a very non-sexist girl, uh, upbringing so yeah i was probably um top uh player of space invaders and donkey kong <laughs> and all things um, probably you know had a little cigarette in the graveyard at 12 the usual yeah. <laughs> My father could floor a room with a one-liner. He'd stay quiet and we'd all be blah, 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 blah. blah, And then he'd floor us all and we would laugh for an hour with a one-liner. He was brilliant at one-liners, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: And were you a comedian in the classroom?
1: um, I was like, oh God, you know what? I'm one of those people who say, you know, I loved my teachers because they were part of my community, but I didn't like school. I didn't like sitting there or having to sit there. And I spent most of my time looking out the window and yeah, causing trouble, probably more so than being funny. I had to hone my... Boldness into comedy eventually and you know to channel it into that but yeah so uh i had i was just dying to get back home was a lovely place you know so i mean i was dying to get out of school and get home and friends outside school were great and in school but yeah no i wasn't i'd say the class comedian there was a lot of other funnier people than me
0: but um but and how did it develop and nurture then catherine
1: well, it developed and nurtured through Score, another GEA um platform, and um, my father wrote the sketches in Score. So he wrote the comedy sketches sketches for Score and OG and Adult Score, and um, so the uh, the rehearsals would always be in our kitchen, you okay. know. So. If there was a need for smoke or anything like that, my brother would have a big, huge cigar at the side of the stage, blowing it in. And um, if there was a need for costumes, my mother would do the costumes. And at one stage we had a sketch with a, 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 a it was called Dracula and we had to have a, a, a skeleton. So my mother made a papier mache skeleton that sat in our garage for years. And anyone who actually we forgot to tell would walk out into the garage and see this skeleton sitting on an armchair.
0: <laughs> They're great memories. We'd,
1: oh no, we never told them about the skeleton. <laughs> so talking about skeleton in your closet, we yeah. had skeletons in our garage. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's a real family effort. And that's that's how it started for you. And when when you left school then, is that when, when I, you started to broaden it out?
1: When I left school, I became a hairdresser and um, I uh, I worked as a hairdresser in Longford for years. And then I went to Dublin. And so when I went to Dublin, I kind of got catapulted into this wonderful world. The gay scene, the fantastic um, community, because I was a community based person and I found my happiness in communities. You know, so I went very sadly from my community in Leitrim to going, oh my God, I'm walking up Talbot Street thinking, oh, nobody's saying hello to me. How come they don't know my name? Or nobody's saying, how are you, young Lynch? And uh, so I was a bit like Crocodile Dundee. So eventually I got myself a job in a restaurant. And in the restaurant, I met all these lovely uh, flamboyant boys and not so flamboyant some of them. And So then I was going, what's all this about? They're so full of life. So it turns out they were uh, my beautiful gay friends and they they brought me into their community and we had so much fun. So we worked in a place called Smalltalk and uh, Smalltalk entered me into Alternative Miss Ireland, which was in 1998. And uh, Shane Hart, who is now the manager of Panty Bar and Warren Myler, who is now my um, business partner in Wacker Productions, with, they entered me into Alternative Miss Ireland and as Tampila Lillette, a periodically obsessed country and western <laughs> star <laughs> I actually won my first
0: <laughs> Where was that held? Tell me a little bit about it
1: It was held in the red box and uh, basically it was 2,000 people. It was just huge subculture in those days and there was a great buzz in Dublin. It was like the times when you'd see Naomi Campbell in Mr. Bussies, you know, all that kind of decadence. So uh, we walked out to 12 or sorry, 2,000 strong household and brought the house down and I was addicted from then on. It was like my first audience in Dublin was 2,000 people. So I was not going back from there. Do you know, and your, and, uh,
0: and your first musical choice, Catherine, is from that time?
1: Well, it is definitely. My first musical choice is uh, uh, the Deadwood stage. And it's um, on Sundays. Um, our mass, our Sunday miscellany was to go to Bingo, where Shirley Temple Bar hosted a fantastic show of drag queens. And Shirley's fantastic piece was uh, Whip Crack Away and uh, Just loved it and it would just lift the roof and we were all together. Oh my God, am I missing those times. I want us all together at Bingo in the George, but surely shouting the numbers and us singing Whip Crack Away, wouldn't it be lovely?
0: So you you speak so lovingly of of those times. How did your parents react when you said you were the the alternative Miss Ireland?
1: Well, they were delighted because um, they're... they weren't your kind of normal, you know, Crab, uh, Beton, church-going, you know, people. Like, they are church-going people, of course, like, I mean, but they go to Mass they don't, you know, so they've no judgment on people. And they were quite hippie-ish in their own way. So they were delighted. My mother was like, oh, when are we going up on the bus? We have to go up on the bus and get all the girls together. So they did all come up to, to uh, Panty Bar. And they all came up and all the ladies in the front row. And they had a great time because uh, all my lovely gay friends brought them out dancing and just spoiled them rotten. And it was a great time. It was a really inclusive time. It was before we started the big campaign for marriage rights and everything. Yeah. So it was. It was a little oasis where everyone was
0: welcome, you know. And so. and at this stage, are you now performing on stage?
1: Am I performing on stage? Oh, yeah. Now I have a, a, I have my residency called uh, Busty's G's G-Spot. G's <laughs> <J-D-Pack. laughs> Des, you're really getting stuff out of me that I haven't told anyone in a long time. So I had a cabaret show called Busty's G-Spot and uh, the G-Spot obviously was guest spot. Busty Liker was an adult entertainment movie star. She was the Duchess of Deliciousness. <laughs> so she'd, she'd start the show in high heels and a big blonde wig um, on the bar, in panty bar and come down and sing an Eye of the Tiger and uh, walking over drinks. And and then she'd say, water, water everywhere and not a trap to drink because everyone was gay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i had that residency for five years and even when i'm telling you about it i swear my, i'm feeling such joy you know it was really fun times yeah. really fun times
0: yeah well look at it you mentioned your mom going to the club there which is a great image of all the girls coming up from Mohol, <laughs> up to it. Yeah. and your parents obviously are very dear to you as has come clear already and your second musical choice catherine is about your parents
1: Yeah, it is. It's called Twilight Romance and I wrote it myself (coughs) and it's from my album Twilight or my album Settling Dust, which you can get on Spotify, people. But it's a a beautiful song, I think anyway, uh, called Twilight Romance. And it was written when my dad passed away and it was in celebration of their beautiful relationship. And um, I wrote it thinking that, you know, this is this time is we have on earth is short and you know people that are gone before us if you have a strong enough bond they'll wait for you and so Twilight Romance was as if my father was under a lamppost and he was just waiting for my fo- mother to come for and she, he was going to bring her to a, a dance so um, so he waits under the lamppost and she comes and they just have a little dance in the
0: twilight. I mean lasting love is a, is a rare and special thing isn't it?
1: It's a rare and special thing. And if you see it around, uh, Des, will you send me it in an
0: envelope? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Please do. It's it's though, isn't it?
1: It is lasting love. And um, I think it's, you know, people have to make the effort, don't they, really? It's compromise. It's most of all, it's humour. You know, you really do need to have a sense of humour with your partner because lots of things wear themselves out. But if you have a sense of humor with somebody, you can actually, that is enough to soften any blow, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. Getting, so, uh, getting back to your career then. So your, your residency is going well. When did television come, come into play?
1: Well, Marion Cullen, who still is a producer in my production company Wackett TV, the with Warren, who I spoke mm. about, um, um she came into Um, to Panty Bar with Shea Healy, the absolutely infamous Shea Healy, And they saw me doing my characters and they were doing a show called Talking Heads and asked me, would I perform Bernie in it? So I prefer, sing a Bernie Walsh um, uh, (laughs) on Talking Heads. And we were all worried because she was a traveller character and we're thinking, oh, my God, RT are not going to like this. But they loved it and they asked us to do a pilot and uh, we did the pilot. And the pilot went out to half a million people, nearly, mm. and uh, so from that, as you know, we had bums and seats, so we had a bit of power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they didn't get me off my seat for seven years.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was hugely successful. And what was the reaction? Because a lot of your characters were kind of edgy. Is that maybe that, so, that a fair description? Yeah.
1: As, yeah. Well, and well said. Yeah, that because um, actually you're recognising that it they came from the cusp of society. They came from this subculture I'd already worked in in. Uh, Panty Bar, which was called Gooba at the time, but in Panty Bar. And um, I had admired Cuspis Society women because they were stronger in a way than just the regular two by four people who just had it all easy enough, you know. So I wanted to represent them and and, uh, traveller women were in that group. So... Um, I had to have the courage to do that because some people might judge it and say, oh, you can't do that. It's not politically correct. But it is politically correct because they're part of the fabric of our um, country. So why not? You know,
0: Yeah. tell me about some of the other characters.
1: Some of the other characters. Well, there was Liz Hurley, the yeah. um, the poor little uh, Liz Hurley who lived at home with her mammy And she ran the local G A. ladies. Yeah. And yeah, she was quite special, really, in the way. She was great crack. And there's a scene I put up a little bit of work on my Facebook, Catherine Lynch, and um, it got huge reaction. Two hundred thousand people watching it and um, uh, loving Liz and the scene in the in the dressing room where she tells the girls, you know, this is my life. This is my life. You couldn't kick snow off a rock. You couldn't (laughs) kick an octopus off a rock. (laughs) <laughs> she gets all she she's crying in the dressing room and she says, "Oh well, Becky, all I'm going up to Callaghan's have a snake bite on a back of the <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so she she yeah she's one of my my special characters.
0: Yeah. It's funny, I mean, like GA keeps cropping up, albeit you <laughs> you on the fringes of it and your family, but of course you end up being a very successful manager in celebrity Bonnish store.
1: Oh wow! I, I I absolutely completely nearly forgot about that joy. It's ten years ago now. That imagine. Ten
0: and uh, you be cooler in this as well. <laughs> be
1: cooler. Can you do you remember that day, George Hook? Well, if the ground could swallow him up. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, always- sorry,
0: just let me remind people. Celebrity Bonnish Star was a very hugely successful RT program where well known people took charge of a GA team and they had competitions. And you were manager of Drum a Hair from Leitrim, wasn't it? That was it. And George Hook was our manager in Cooley,
1: and he <laughs> thought he had it in the bag.
0: <laughs> so, so did I. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. And I just went into the lads and I said, "Okay, you can be the whipping boys, or you can go out there and you can show these absolute bloody jackings that <laughs> we are not the whipping boys." And I had them in a frenzy, and they were like, "You know, we're one team, and they're one team. They're, forget about their other." 45,000 deans <laughs> just get out there and win and we did and mm-hmm. I, I I mean it was such a day I mean you wouldn't look at me either
0: with George <laughs> and you, and you, you got to the final
1: we got to the final and the lovely Derek Davis won mm-hmm. with the Northern team and uh, down, yeah. by a point yeah. a dirty old
0: point but h- the Northern how did you <laughs> I mean how immersed did you get I mean when you lost that like in a way it was a fun thing it was a TV programme but how how emotionally attached did you get to it
1: Oh, I got so emotionally attached to it. Like those lads and I were in contact for years. We're still in contact. And, you know, some members of the the club have passed away and I'd always pay my respects there. And I always ask how Drummer Hair are doing and, you know, and my special lads on it. And then I watched some of them head into the county, uh, on the county team. And when I watched the county team, I always like secretly said, did I give them any, did I give them confidence? I hope I did, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I always kind of felt... Really
0: invested, and then of course you were a bi- you're you're a big hit when you were dancing.
1: Oh, as you were, Debbie. Oh my God, Can, that was just such an experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it you was
0: know. fantastic. Yeah, you, you,
1: fantastic. Um, and well, and all the
0: all the I remember you'd always have these magnificent outfits, and everyone would be going, "Oh, Catherine's outfits are gorgeous." Yeah,
1: I really enjoyed that. That was I loved the whole camp and the glitter and the makeup and the hair. That was so drag for me. That was the nearest I got to being a drag queen. <laughs> so. um... But, like, um, a
0: bit like myself, indeed.
1: But No, you were brilliant. Oh, my God. But we had so much fun. Mm. And, you know, I'm envious every year when I see them out again. Are you?
0: Yeah, well, I've kind of, I've kind of uh, outgrown it a bit now in the sense that yeah. uh, the following year I was glued to it and the following yeah. year. But it's uh, it moves on. But it was it was hard to believe that the dancing programme could could gain so much attention
1: so much attention yeah and we talk it so serious so I think th- we we recognise when you watch it the bubble that they're in you know and yeah, the,
0: the... Absolutely. but I think
1: because we were the first people we weren't as um, uh, competitive you know what I mean we just like we kind of we just let things happen you know yeah, it
0: grew certainly yeah in terms of comedy are your influences Irish or international
1: uh, a lot of them are Irish and um, I would have to say my favourite comedian of all times is Dave McSavage. <laughs> Because he is so bold. He's a punk. You know, he really does not care what we think. And I think that's the brave place to be in comedy. Is like, he doesn't care about political correctness. He doesn't really care what, he, what we think. He wants to just get his point across in a hilarious way, and he does. So, yeah, so he would be my hero in comedy in Ireland. And uh, Joan Rivers, um, uh, female-wise, yeah. you know, her bravery as well. I think comedy is a very brave place. And um, we have... Um, I think we'll regain our strength when it comes to that in in the next while because political correctness was getting to be a bit of a joke, really, to be honest, you know.
0: It is a very brave place. You're so exposed on stage. I often wonder that. And I also wonder, Catherine, was it more difficult to be a young woman trying to make it in comedy than a young man?
1: It was. And I really, I fell into the Twitter-rattery situation for, for a while. And I really think that when I look back, that i had a really bad time you know at one stage
0: and um, is this people very, commenting on you or whatever it,
1: really really nasty stuff you know yeah. so, so like i mean i don't like i and, and a lot of people would agree with me you you go through all the nice comments and you can only see the 10 bad ones but twitter aren't ra- allowed anymore be as derogatory as they used to be so there was sexist comments there was you know, really nasty cums, So you know. Um, so, yeah, but I've forgotten about them. You know, I went through that patch and to be honest, it probably um, political correctness and that sort of behaviour pulled me out of Wagenstein because I went in one day and they wanted to recommission it. And I said, you know what, I might be the only person who has ever come to RT and said, I really can't go on with this, you know. So I pulled out of that and I took a little time out. I went to New York uh, to the New York Film Academy my, Academy, my dad had passed away as well. So I probably needed headspace. Yeah. So I went and did that and had a great time Um, had a great time in New York. Oh, what a city. And uh, I wrote the album then and I kind of got into my own, you know, to you forget about sometimes in comedy yourself because you you were really always trying to entertain. It's the most it's the muse that gives the most really com- com- comedy, you know, the rest you can internalize. With comedy, you have to externalize. So I needed to inhale. Some some years are years are dedicated to inhaling, and that was one of them. You know.
0: But it's shocking, though, what you say, and and you're one of many people who said that to me that they were driven away from their creative element by nastiness, and it's anonymous nastiness. It's a it's a yeah. it's horrendous that it can impact on people like that.
1: But it's the chorus. If you're talking about a, a Greek tragedy. They are the chorus, you know, whispering in your ear and they are the people who who have the information, you know, whether it be good or bad. And they are the influencers. You know, they have become influencers now. But that that that, who in, that kind of it does influence you. It does get into your head and it does affect you, you know. And, you know, we you know, you've had that horrible story of Caroline My I cried for the day over what she must have been going through, you know, because I got it on a tiny scale. And, you know, we have lots you know we have other people here in Ireland that need to be given a break as well you know
0: absolutely and maybe maybe we'll all we'll all look in life a bit differently now
1: yeah maybe yeah
0: exactly your third musical choice Catherine it's Bob Dylan
1: Bob Dylan yeah I was a Bob Dylan I still am Bob Dylan super fan especially when I was younger. And um, when I was doing part-time hairdressing, I was washing hair in Longford and there was a guy who brought in the towels and he was a big Bob Dylan fan. And he gave me his whole collection one day of cassettes and records and the whole lot. And I was like, why are you doing this? And he goes, I just see how big a fan you are because I used to ask him questions every time he came in. So he wanted to hand them over to somebody. So I was so lucky to get this big box of records, cassettes, and I had a small little box room at home in our little bungalow in Leitrim. And I... um, Put up all the the album covers, you know, with my blue tack and had them all over the room. I had my little record player with my 50p on it that my father gave me to keep the needle down, which he used to keep having to give me because I'd say, I don't know where it went. I think it went into the machinery, but I was always spending it on Space Invaders. And he'd give me another 50p. But I was obsessed with Bob Dylan. So one day my brother knocked on the door and he um, said... Um, Kate, that's my name at home. Kate, I really need to talk to you. And I was like, God, what's wrong with him? Because normally he would be, piss off, get out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said, Juice, I better let him in. He looks very sombre. So he sat on the edge of my bed and he held my hand, which is, as you know, was like, brother, hold <laughs> my hand. Yeah, go away from you, I hate you. And uh, he, uh, he looked into my eyes and he said, I have something to tell you. And I said, what, what? And he goes, really deeply. And he said, Bob Dylan is dead. <laughs> and I went into a super fan, scream, crying, throwing myself in the bed, going around, kissing all my album photographs, putting on his albums, crying, couldn't come out of the room. So eventually I came out of the room and I went into the kitchen to get a soda stream for my distressed being, <laughs> get a cooler or something. And I said, and my mother said, Oh my God, Kate, because I was all puffy eyed and everything and distressed. She said, what happened to you? And she goes, I said, as if you didn't know Bob Dylan is dead. And she goes, oh, for God's sake, Bob Dylan is not dead. She wouldn't, Jerry Ryan or Gay Byrne be talking about it all morning if he was. And there wasn't a word about it. And I saw my brother run by the window in the kitchen and I ran out and I got him and I gave him such a (laughs) kicking.
0: And, and Bob Dylan you were a young girl. It, I wouldn't have thought that was the traditional kind of uh, profile yeah. of the Bob Dylan fan.
1: No, when I was a young girl, I wrote songs and poetry and they were all very folk-based, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, I love doing that. And, you know, one of my proudest things is my album, Settling Dust. So I was into all the all the influences I could get from Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohn, Tom Waits, you know, yeah. Janice E and Janis Joplin, all those, all those people were my... Heroes. I don't know why. I don't know how it came about. I'd say it was that guy giving me, you know, the, you know, when I was working part time as a
0: teenager, you know. And and come here. Is it? Did you keep the songs? Did I keep which songs? The, the ones album? you wrote. No, the ones you wrote.
1: Have yeah, sure. The, the one that I from my mother there is is an
0: original. I know it is Twilight romance, yeah. but that that's from that time, is it?
1: Yeah, from no, it's, no, it's not from that time. Yeah. I kept a lot of them. Yeah. I have a great friend, Christine Dwyer-Hickey, who's a, one of our top writers. She's actually one Book One City this year. And she has a, she has my poetry from when I was a kid. And she always brings it out to me sometimes. She's going, why don't you do more of this? Yeah. So I actually, thanks, Des, in a way I need a little bit of kind of... A push. I need to kind of push. And to do it this time now that I have another three weeks, you know, kind of lockdown. I could do it now. And I love doing it. But I don't know, I think society kind of got a little bit too fast and poetry hadn't a place but I think at the moment it has a place and it's coming back and there's an awful lot of truth we can find in in sitting down and writing a little poem you know
0: Absolutely Absolutely So which Bob Dylan track have you chosen?
1: Um, the Times They Are A-Changing and Boys Oh Boys Are They
0: Okay then well let's play out then with Catherine Lynch's third choice Bob Dylan at The Times They Are A-Changing Catherine Lynch thanks very much for joining us today
1: Thank you Des Love you Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.